Welcome back to Everyday Ignorance. I'm Alexander. And I'm Peter. And this is the podcast where ignorance is unacceptable. As always, I always ask at the top of every episode. Peter, how was your week? Um, my week has been kind of long, but kind of better than average. Um, I I have a, my first date tomorrow, so yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Okay. Okay. Yep. And oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, I was just going to say that, uh, how long has it been since you were on a date, Peter? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. It's been several years, Alexander. Okay, okay. All right. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, where did you meet this woman? Uh, she reached out to me on Facebook dating. She better be good. She better be good enough for my Peter. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and I want to meet her and make sure this little girl understands. She better be freaking good for you. All right. Very defensive. Thank you. Does she like podcasts? Does she listen to podcasts? I don't I don't know. I'm not going to advertise this one to her in particular right away. But this particular episode at least. Yeah. No. It's but probably a good idea. I'm not going to name her by name either though. That's fine. You don't have to. So. Yeah. Uh, well, if the date's not going well, just at the very end, just throw in that you run a podcast called Everyday Ignorance. And that way you can you get that sweet organic growth you're telling me about. So. <laughs> You can go ahead and do that. Just go ahead and capitalize, capitalize on that. Capitalize, by the on way. the date for that purpose There's not going to be a second date anyway, but if you want to check out Everyday Ignorance <laughs> on Spotify, go ahead and look into it. We do a pretty good podcast, if you don't mind. Uh, How's your week been? It's been okay. It's been okay. Just doing Uber, just driving people around, uh, going ahead and trying to balance out reading this book, mm-hmm. NBS, and... Uh, we had that huge snowstorm come through Tuesday. Oh yeah! Almost crashed into a few things. I did run over a sign. Mm. Uh, if you run over somebody in your car in a snowstorm and you don't know, are you still liable? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> okay. Like yeah, I did find a thumb in my grill, but that's all right. That's okay. That's fine. Is would you be liable? You would be, wouldn't you? I guess, uh, yeah. Okay. I might need you to help me bury a body after after we're done with our podcast today. Okay. So, uh, we did go ahead and put out. We didn't put out one on Thursday like we usually do. It's because I think our schedules weren't really aligned. You were tired, right? Uh, I was tired. I know that. I I know we didn't record one last Tuesday. Yeah. I can't remember why exactly. But, yeah. Well, yeah, we didn't record this Tuesday. We did last Tuesday, I think. Oh. Yeah, because we did a podcast for last week. Oh. Yeah, remember Off the Rails? That was the week before last, this past week. Hmm. Yeah. So we didn't do a podcast last week? No. I thought we did. I don't think so. Not this past Tuesday. Well, when you say past Tuesday, how many days ago are you talking about? Like five. Okay. Okay. Because we usually record on Tuesday. Yeah. Right, right. I thought we had a podcast, though. Mm-mm. I don't think so. Mm. No. All right. I don't know if I trust you yet, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so we're still talking about... Good Lord, Peter. All right. I'm having to fight <laughs> off fruit flies right now. What is going on in your house? <laughs> I don't know, man. Right? They don't have dominance. This, this trap is not working. This trap it's... system... Yeah, it's working, yeah. but it's not working. Uh, I know it's a it's it's a, not a visual element, but uh, if you're listening to the podcast, Peter has a plant. Uh, is this good for like the oxygen here or something? I it's just to remember my mom. Oh, you got a plant to remember your mom? Yeah, I I got it from work. Oh, they okay. gave it to me when she passed away, and I've been keeping it alive ever since. What kind of plant is that? It's a peace lily. Peace lily. That's really pretty. Yeah, it's like a medium sized one. Okay. But it evidently harbors fruit flies everywhere. Yeah, it's so. infested with fruit flies. Yeah. Why, why would you bring this among me? Why would you let them touch me? Yeah, I'm having to fight them off occasionally because they get yeah. in here. Uh, do I they... apologize. Well, <laughs> we all know. Apology not we accepted. All know about that. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, just curious. So, are they ever going to go away? Or are these like living in your fruit and then they live in there? Or? 
I I think they came from my they come from my bananas and then harbor themselves and breed in my plant. Really? <laughs> I'm guessing because wow. they seem to really like the plant. Yeah, yeah, they love this plant, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's too bad we set up a podcast recording studio next to a plant full of fruit flies. <laughs> I can move it next time. No, it's fine. Um, you know, we're all about eco friendly around here on Everyday Ignorance, <laughs> so we. Uh, it's, it's awful. As we uh, recycle together in the that's cold. That's true. That's true. We did recycle at one time. I hate the planet. You, <laughs> you made me. You made me hate the planet. By the way. Um, Speaking of somebody who hates the planet, probably, uh, we're going to talk about MBS still. I don't know how long this series is going to go on for, because I'm traveling, hopefully next week. I've got to wait for a few more things to come in, uh, and I'm trying to hit the road. I'm hoping I can get out of like Fargo. It would suck if I tried to travel and I got a flat tire out of Moorhead. That's as far i got to turn around, but uh, no, I'm, I'm trying to go ahead and uh, see the East Coast and maybe a little bit of the South. I'm hoping to see the United States. I don't know if I'll be able to, but it'd be cool, though. Mm. It'd be nice to actually do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think um, from there, you'll you'll have to man the podcast. You'll have to do the whole thing by yourself. Okay. <laughs> you'll need to set up guests, and you'll need to read books. I'll send you a list. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, no, we won't do that. But, um, no, I'm thinking about calling uh, via Skype to you. Sure. Trying to do it that way. I don't know how it's going to sound. Because we did it one time with, his name's Akira, the EMT guy. Man, mm-hmm. it sounded kind of crappy, right? Yeah, it was kind of kind of quiet overall, the volume of the whole thing. Yeah. And there, there sounds like... to be boosted. Yeah, well, vo- boosting, and then also it sounds like there's little, like, blips. Mm. And I don't know if that's because uh, just his phone... <clears throat> or however that went, but it did not sound good. I don't know why it was. I don't remember the blips. I just remember uh-huh. it being really quiet and me jacking up the volume and it still being quiet. Okay, I had to work as hard as possible to get those stupid blips down. Like even then, oh. if you like listen really carefully, you can hear the. It's really weird. It's kind of annoying. Dang it. Yeah, it's fine, but uh, you know, it's okay. But we'll we'll see if it works, and then. I don't know what we'll do because I don't think I'm gonna take that book with me because I gotta return to the library eventually. So, uh, yeah. So I I will have to do something. I don't know what I could do on that. But anyway, though, MBS <clears throat> part two. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get into it. So, for those of you who weren't here for part one, that <clears throat> MBS is just short for Mohammed bin Salman. Correct. Yeah. Um, not mayo, bananas, and salad. <laughs> it's not a grocery list. Uh, right. We take off from the last episode, and we start to delve into MBS's view of the future. The author lost his visa as he was wanting to attend MBS's Vision 2030. Uh, Vision 2030 is, a, is MBS's solution to get Saudi Arabia off of oil. MBS believes oil to be a curse on the land. Uh, mm. I will say... Uh, MBS, in case you don't know, if you haven't listened to the first episode on MBS, like we highly suggest you do that. So try not to figure it out halfway because it's mm. kind of annoying. MBS, uh, his name is Mohammed bin Salman. He's the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. So the next in line, actually, to be the king of Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, he, the author, it's it's kind of a weird book. It's not. It's kind of like I feel like I'm walking a molasses to this book. Like it's not. Mm. A, it's not. It it moves at a slow pace. Mm-hmm. It's slow-paced book, and I know that that's true for some books, but this book really like takes its time getting where it needs to go. Okay. It's not a bad book at all. It just takes its time. Yeah. So, and we do have some stuff from Wikipedia, uh, simply because twenty thirty wasn't necessarily explained too much in the book, mm. but I did find it was a little better on, on Wiki uh, to go ahead and um, explain. So. Uh, Vision 2030 includes uh, laying out targets for diversification and improving competitiveness. It is built around three main themes which set out specific objectives that are to be achieved by 2030. A vibrant society, urbanism, culture, and entertainment. Sports. Umrah, which I found out Umrah is basically the pilgrimage to Mecca. Uh, Umrah means a visit to the Holy Kaaba. The Sacred House of God in Arabic, or is that Arabic? 
I don't know. I don't know. And can be performed by anyone, any time of the year, unlike Hajj, which is an obligatory pilgrimage to Maka. Okay, so Umrah is sending you to um, the Holy Kaaba, but Hajj is to Mecca. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's performed every year within the first 10 days of the Islamic month of Dur Hijjah. And okay. if, if I'm saying these names wrong, just let me know. EverydayIgnorance1 at gmail.com. Please, please tell us. We don't know enough. Um, right. So also UNESCO heritage sites and life expectancy. A thriving economy, employment, women in the workforce, international competitiveness, the public investment fund, foreign direct investment, non-oil exports. He wants an ambitious nation, non-oil revenues, government effectiveness, e-government, household savings and income, non-profits and volunteering, and also increasing the strength of the military. Saudi Arabia is finding itself running behind the rest of the world and is fast trying to catch up to other countries as lots of its workers are actually foreigners. This should once again illustrate the power of the American experiment where we actually reward and encourage foreigners. This is also why legal immigration is a great thing. Obviously, immigration will bring problems, but it can also bring amazing solutions to already existing problems. Um, Saudi Arabia worked so hard to protect its citizens from working that they couldn't really build anyway unless it was connected to oil. MBS announced that Aramco would be going private and had lofty goals. Shortly after the 2030 speech, MBS held court with press and cleric officials. Um, On the one hand, you had the hip Islamic clerics, and on the other, you had some of the best journalists in the kingdom. One of those press officials was a man by the name of Jamal Khashoggi. He was born in Medina to a powerful and wealthy family. He was also a very devout Muslim and joined an Usra, or a family, where he was part of the Muslim Brotherhood, while he was part of the Muslim Brotherhood, excuse me. Khashoggi went to the USA and in 1983 earned a degree in business administration from Indiana State University. One year, he actually ran the book fair at the Muslim Arab Youth Association at the U.S. National Conference. After college, Khashoggi wound up working as a journalist for Arab News, an English-speaking paper in Jeddah. Um, This paper gave him the opportunity to cover one of the biggest stories of the day, the Afghan Jihad. The Soviet Union had invaded Afghanistan at this point. And this is from the source iNews UK, and I quote, The Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan on December 24, 1979, under the pretext of upholding the the Soviet-Afghan Friendship Treaty. The treaty was signed in 1978, and the two countries agreed to provide economic and military assistance to each other. Afghanistan borders Russia and was always considered important to its national security and a gateway to Asia for Russia. Russia, though, had long tried to establish strong ties holding interest there for centuries for these reasons. Yeah, and I will say that, I don't know, do you know a lot about Afghanistan? No. I don't know a lot about it, but I will say that uh, from what I do understand, they call it the Graveyard of Empires. So everybody, it seems like that was popular, not popular, but everybody who was powerful has at one time tried to invade Afghanistan. They've all kind of failed. I mean, Mm. the United States, I would say we invaded Afghanistan, but we didn't leave like a lot of the other ones did. We just kind of took off pretty fast, right? (laughs) We got out of there pretty quick. Weren't we like flying people out as fast as possible? Well, when we did finally leave, yeah, after like 20 years. Yeah, after 20 years. um, The British tried invading Afghanistan and like... sure. A few people made it back. I mean, it was it was bad. Yeah, oh, Afghanistan. The 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 geography is really bad, and yeah. there's mountains there. Really rough. It's really rough. Um, snows a lot. It's like Fargo. It's basically <laughs> Afghanistan is just like Fargo, North Dakota. Folks. A mountainous, arid yeah. Fargo. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, where there's lots of terrorism here. We have lots of terrorism in Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> Uh, when people are cutting you off, that's basically the same thing as Al Qaeda. Um, so, 
1978 communist revolution in Afghanistan and its subsequent one-party state run by head of the Communist Party, Nur Mohammed Taraki, was extremely unpopular with the Afghan people. And the Soviets attempted to bolster it with the treaty. I did want to take and try to figure out why they even invaded Afghanistan. So that's why I threw this in here. However, in September 1979, Taraki was overthrown and killed by members of the Afghan Communist Party who were unhappy with him. So, in December, Russia entered Afghanistan to reestablish a government closer to its desires. The subsequent 10-year war has been described as Russia's Vietnam, with the country sending in thousands of troops spending millions and ultimately retreating. The war helped create the terrorist and extremely and extremist groups that are still in place today. Mm. The U.S. and Saudi Arabia had intervened to push back the Soviets. The U.S. saw this as another front in the Cold War, and Saudi Arabia saw it as an attack from infidels on the Holy Land. The CIA worked with Saudi intelligence to fund and arm the newly formed Holy Warriors, or Muhaddin. This was truly a battle for the ages. Saudi royals even paid for young Saudi men to join the fight. In the midst of all this war, Jamal Khashoggi is covering it from the ground, even getting a picture of himself with an AK-47. Once embedded with the freedom fighters, Jamal meets a young Saudi who had a large family in construction. That man's name was Osama bin Laden. And this is from Wikipedia as well. Um, Osama's father, Muhammad bin Awad bin Laden, was born in 1908 at Hadramaut, Yemen, Vilayet Ottoman Empire. Poor and uneducated, his family emigrated to Tihama before World War I. According to Eric Margolis, he initially worked as a porter in Jeddah, like many other impoverished Yemenite emigrants of that time. However, Salon.com or Salon.com reports that his first job was as a bricklayer with Aramco. Then in 1930, he started his own construction business, and after coming to the attention of Abdulaziz ibn Saud, first monarch of Saudi Arabia, he eventually achieved such success that his family became known as, quote, the wealthiest non-royal family in the kingdom, end mm-hmm. quote. Mohammed bin Laden's enormous financial success was, abscri- was ascribed to a shrewd business sense, fealty to Saudi Arabia's rulers, reliability, and a willingness to offer the lowest bid on construction contracts. By, utter- by undercutting local construction firms, he won contracts to bid- build-, build palaces for the House of Saud. End quote. Um, he became very wealthy and had many children. One of those was Osama. Osama will be covered in a later episode of this podcast at another time. However, going back to Afghanistan, as the Soviets left there, Afghanistan descended into turmoil and chaos. Later, as SEAL Team 6 killed Osama and his guards, Khashoggi mourned the loss of Osama and admitted, quote, I collapsed into tears a while ago. Heartbroken for you, Abu Abdullah which was a nickname for Osama. You were beautiful and brave in those beautiful days in Afghanistan before you surrendered to hatred and rage, end quote. So the book does take a hard left turn in June of 2015 as WikiLeaks had dumped a trove of information on the free market uh, and on the internet about Saudi Arabia's power over foreign governments. It also shows just how much Saudi Arabia was handing out to foreign governments and different people in those governments. For example, Mohammed Morse of the Muslim Brotherhood asked for visas in 2012 to bring his family to Mecca. Ayed Al save this see this I'm gonna say this correctly. Ayed Alaway was given two thousand pilgrimage visas to hand out to Wu voters to his side. But he still lost in Iraq as he was actually going against an enemy of Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, Samir, I don't know how to say this, Gia Gia, uh, asked for Saudi Arabia to pay his bodyguards. Samir was a Christian politician in Lebanon. Guinea's state news agency asked for $2,000 to solve issues the agency was having. The Muslim Brotherhood told Saudi Arabia for $10 billion they would make sure Hosni... Mubarak, the president of Egypt, would not face jail time during the Arab Spring. The Saudis never paid, and Hosni was eventually released. 
The kingdom also worked hard to push the Muslim agenda and religion by funding construction of mosques and employing imams in places like the Philippines, the UK, and even Houston, Texas. They also gave away free Qurans and other religious publications shaped by Wahhabism. And speaking of Wahhabism, from Wikipedia, Wahhabism, or in Arabic, um, Al-Wahhabiya, is a Sunni Islamic fundamentalist movement originating in Najd, Arabia. Founded eponymously by 18th century Arabian scholar Muhammad ibn Abd al-Wahhab, Wahhabism is followed primarily in Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Qatar. Um, the reform movement was established in Central Arabia and later in Southwestern Arabia. It opposed rituals related to the veneration of Muslim saints and pilgrimages to their tombs and shrines, which were widespread amongst the people of Najd. Ibn Abd al-Wahhab and his followers were highly inspired by the influential 13th century Hanbali scholar Ibn Tamiyah, who called for a return to the purity of the first three generations, or the Salaf, to rid Muslims of inauthentic outgrowths or bid'ah, and regarded his works as core scholarly references in theology. <clears throat> While being influenced by their Hanbali doctrines, the movement repudiated taklid to legal authorities, including off-sided scholars such as Ibn Tamiyah and Ibn Qayyim. In 1744, Ibn Abd, Abd al-Wahhab formed a pact with a local leader, Muhammad bin Saud, a political-religious alliance that continued for the next 150 years, culminating politically with the proclamation of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in 1932. His movement would eventually arise as one of the most influential 18th-century anti-colonial reform trends that spread across the Islamic world and his movement advocated a return to pristine Islamic values based on the Quran and Sunnah for regenerating the social and political prowess of Muslims, and its revolutionary themes influenced numerous Islamic revivalists, scholars, pan-Islamist ideologues, and anti-colonial activists as far as West Africa. Yeah, uh, that is interesting because it's weird how those two cross paths. Africa and, then, and Islam. Well, not African, I mean, for oh. me, not African and Islam, but just the idea that the Ibn Abd al-Wahhab oh. and forming a pact with Muhammad bin Saud. Okay. Um, that, to me, it's, it's weird because you don't think about that like when you meet right. somebody even today. And, you know, like you and I, like we know each other for a little while, but... It would be like if, if I started a religion or you started a religion and then yeah. somehow you were part of a wealthy family and then you took over, your family took over the whole country, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy to think about. That shaped everything 150 years later. Yeah. yeah it's it's nuts. Yeah. Um, the other thing that stuck out to me is that he regarded his own works as core scholarly references <laughs> in theology. Well, like, yeah. Of course, of course, yeah, he regarded his own I, works. That way. I went to Bible college, so I did the same thing. Basically, my own That's works. True. My own works are core theology. So <laughs> they are. They are. They are core theology. Why do you laugh at me? They are. My first commandment is to uh, let me sleep in an extra twenty minutes. Okay, that's, that's the first commandment. Yeah. Second commandment: uh, don't pass up a McDonald's right? <laughs> when you're when you're hungry. When you're hungry, uh, but uh, no, I mean it's. We'll keep going. All right. Yeah, let's that's, keep going. Yeah, that's uh, what is that? Keylerism. Yeah. 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 Well, it, inter- it intersects with the. Does it intersect with the book of Turpin? The book of Turpin. The, yeah, the book of Turpin. Yeah, the book of Turpin and Keylerism. If I weren't, yeah. if I weren't a Christian, you would be a Turpinite. I, I would be a Turpinite. Yeah, it sounds like termite. <laughs> It really does. I know. I've been called Turpentine. I've been called Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. Yeah. And I hate all of them. I just want you to know, everyone. <laughs> I hate it. Don't ever call me Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. Do you like being called the Turpinator? That's yes, a cool yes. Name. I okay. like that one. Why See, do you... Oh, go ahead. That one came from a former manager who actually respected me. So, uh, like, that's why I like that one. 
Why do you not like being called Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater? Because or? kids would always make fun like, of me fun using of it. Okay. Yeah, I'd be like Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. Were you a tall child? Yeah. You, did you tower over your peers? Yeah. But I was like a quiet giant. As a quiet now. giant. Or a giant. Were you strong? Giant. Were you very strong? No. To, oh, okay. I'm not. I wasn't like a jock or popular or like good at sports or anything. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about the time you lost your virginity. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Save that for uh, our Patreon subscribers. Um, but uh, anyway, though, so no, that is crazy. Uh, it's something you don't really think about 150 years later. I mean, even now, 150 years ago, what is 150 years ago? Um, 1772. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's 1873. Oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. I'm horrible. You're about 100 years off. Bro, I forgot the whole 20th century. Uh, Oh, my gosh. I do that all the time. I do that all the time, man. (laughs) I always forget that. Uh, I think I'm, like, all confident with my mental math, and then boom. You just rattle it off. You're like, oh, yeah, 1772. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. You're a human calculator. Um... So, uh, for more than two centuries to, to the present, Ibn Abd al-Wahhab's teachings were championed as the official form of Islam and the dominant creed in three Saudi states. As of 2017, changes to Saudi religious policy by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman have led to widespread crackdown on Islamists in Saudi Arabia and the rest of the Arab world. In 2018, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman denied that anyone can define this Wahhabism. I need to know, is it Wahhabism or Wahhabism? It must be Wahhabism. Yeah, yeah. according to how it's written. <laughs> yeah. It's Wahhabism. Or even that it exists. By 2021, the waning power of the religious clerics brought forth by the social, religious, economic, political changes and a new educational policy asserting a Saudi national identity that emphasizes non-Islamic components have led to what has been described as the post-Wahhabi era of Saudi Arabia. There's too many words, man. There's really too many words. <laughs> words uh, are hard. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to edit that out. But <clears throat> the decision to celebrate the Saudi Founding Day annually on 20, the 22nd of February since 2022 to commemorate the 1727 establishment of the Emirate of Duraya by Mohammed ibn Saud rather than the past historical convention that traced the beginning to the 1744 Pact of Ibn Abd al-Wahhab have led to the official uncoupling of the religious clergy by the Saudi state. Mm. Yeah. So. Interesting. uh, I was going to point out this because I do think it's important, even though the book is a lot about current modern times, um, I do Mm -hmm. think it's important to kind of know a little bit about Saudi Arabia. I didn't know anything about them, and sure. this is from, what's that? Me neither. Yeah, uh, most people, I think, don't know anything about them in America. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think Americans are dumb. You think we're dumb? Yeah. <laughs> you better watch how you talk about my people, all right? <laughs> no, we are. We are pretty dumb sometimes. Yeah. We, we come out with some really stupid stuff, like just, yeah. yeah. TikTok is making us dumber. I'm just going to say that. Um so, uh, on the Saudi Arabia history, I looked this up. This is Wikipedia. The first Saudi state was founded in 1727. This period was marked by conquest of neighboring areas and by religious zeal. At its height, the first Saudi state included most of the territory of modern-day Saudi Arabia. And raids by Al Saud's allies and followers reached into Yemen, Oman, Syria, and Iraq. Islamic scholars, particularly Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, and his descendants are believed to have played a significant role in Saudi rule during this period. The Saudis and their allies referred to themselves during this period as the Muhadin or Al Al Tawid, the monotheist. Later, they were referred to as the Wahhabis, a particularly strict puritanical Islamic sect named for its founder. Mm-hmm. Leadership of Al Saud during the time of their first state, passed from father to son without incident. The first imam, Muhammad bin Saud, was succeeded by his eldest son, Abdulaziz, in 1765. In 1802, 
Abdul Aziz's forces led 10,000 Wahhabi soldiers in an attack on the Shiite holy city of Karbala in what is now southern Iraq and where Hussein ibn Ali, the grandson of the Prophet Muhammad, is buried. The Wahhabi soldiers killed more than 2,000 people, including women and children. They plundered the city, demolishing the massive golden dome above Hussein's tomb and loaded hundreds of camels with weapons, jewelry, coins, and other valuable goods. Wow. Yeah. Uh, do you, just curious, do you think yeah. back then that they had like a version of Uber with camels? Because <laughs> I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking, like, what if we went 150 years ago? To what year was that again? Is that fourteen seventy three or whatever you call no, it? No, you, you said 18... it was eighteen seventy three. Yeah. Do you think then, like, like, because as an Uber, just taxis? Do you think they had taxis back then in a weird way? Didn't they have rickshaws in like India then, but like not motorized ones? Probably yeah. like human only yeah. driven and like maybe camel or donkey driven. Yeah. Or something. Well, if you wanted to back then, could you just pay a guy to take you on a camel? You I don't. Have, I don't to... know. You have to download the app first on your phone <laughs> in the 1700s. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, no, I to answer your question. No, I'm not going to answer it because I I'm a ruiner of jokes. Okay. Okay. Right. Let's move on. Okay. So this attack on the city of Karbala convinced the Ottomans and the Egyptians that the Saudis were a threat to regional peace. So Abdulabsi. Abdulaziz, wow, was killed in 1803 by an assassin believed by some to have been a Shiite seeking revenge over the sacking of Karbala the year before. Abdulaziz was in turn succeeded by his son Saud, under whose rule the Saudi state reached its greatest extent. By the time Saud died in 1814, his son and successor Abdullah ibn Saud had been had to contend with an Ottoman Egyptian invasion in the Ottoman Wahhabi War, seeking to retake lost Ottoman Empire territory. The mainly Egyptian force succeeded in defeating Abdullah's forces, taking over the then Saudi capital of Didiya in 1818. Abdullah was taken prisoner and was soon beheaded by the Ottomans in Constantinople, mm -hmm. putting an end to the first Saudi state. The Egyptians sent many members of the Al Saud clan and other members of the local nobility as prisoners to Egypt and Constantinople and raised the Saudi capital of Didiya. Mm -hmm. The second Saudi state. A few years after the fall of Didiya in 1818, the Saudis were able to reestablish their authority in Najd, establishing the Emirate of Najd commonly known as the second Saudi state, with its capital in Riyadh. Compared to the first Saudi state, the second Saudi period was marked by less territorial expansion. It never reconquered the Hijaz or Asir, for example, and less religious zeal, although the Saudi leaders continued to go by the title of Imam and still employed Salafi religious scholars. The second state was also marked by severe internal conflicts within the Saudi family, eventually leading to the dynasty's downfall. In all but one instance, succession occurred by assassination or civil war, the exception being the passage of authority from Faisal ibn Turki to his son Abdullah ibn Faisal ibn Turki. And this is about the third Saudi state and the current one. Um, after his defeat at Muniyada, Abdul Rahman bin Fasil went with his family into exile in the deserts of eastern Arabia among the Amura Bedouin. Soon mm. afterward, however, he found refuge in Kuwait as a guest of the Kuwaiti Emir Mubarak al Sabah. In 1902, Abdul Rahman's son, Abdul Aziz, took on the task of restoring Saudi rule in Riyadh. Supported by a few dozen followers and accompanied by some of his brothers and relatives, Abdulaziz was able to capture Riyadh's Masmak Fort and kill the governor appointed there by Muhammad bin Abdullah al-Rashid. Abdulaziz reported to have been barely 20 at the time and was immediately proclaimed ruler in Riyadh. As the new leader of the House of Saud, Abdulaziz became commonly known 
From that time onward as Ibn Saud in Western sources, though he is still called Abdulaziz in the Arab world. Abdulaziz spent the next three decades trying to reestablish his family's rule over Central Arabia, starting with his native Najd. His chief rivals were the Al-Rashid clan and Hel, the sheriffs of Mecca in the Hejaz, and the Ottoman Turks in Al-Hasab. Abdulaziz also had to contend, however, with the descendants of his late uncle Saud ibn Fasil, later known as the Saud al-Kabir branch of the family, pretenders to the throne, though for a time acknowledging the sovereignty of the Ottoman sultans and even taking the title of Pasha, Abdulaziz allied himself to the British in opposition to the Ottoman-backed al-Rashidis. From 1915 to 1927, Abdulaziz's dominions were a protectorate of the British Empire, pursuant to the 1950 Treaty of Darin, which sounds like they're saying Darren, and it just is the most American name I could think of. So, <laughs> Unless it's Darin. Yeah, I was going to say, 1915 Treaty of Bob or something. <laughs> Abdulaziz uh, won final victory. Do you hear that? That's the sound of us never being allowed into Saudi Arabia. <laughs> won final victory over the Al-Rashidis in 1921, making him the ruler of most of Central Arabia. He consolidated his dominions as the Sultanate of Nejd. He then turned his attention to the Hejaz, finally conquering it in 1926, just months before the British protectorate ended. For the next five and a half years, he administered the two parts of his dual realm, the kingdom of Hejaz and Nejd as separate units. By 1932, Abdulaziz had disposed of all of his main rivals and consolidated his rule over much of the Arabian Peninsula. He united his dominions into the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia that year. His father, Abdul Rahman, retained the honorary title of Imam. In 1937, near Daman, Damam, American surveyors discovered what later proved to be Saudi Arabia's vast oil reserves. Before the discovery of oil, many family members were destitute. Abdulaziz sired dozens of children by his many wives. He had at most four wives at a time, divorcing many times. He made sure to marry into many of the noble clans and tribes within his territory, including the chiefs of the Bani Khalid, Ajman, and Shamar tribes, as well as the Al-Ashik, descendants of Muhammad ibn Abd al-Wahhab. I have a question yes. for you. Yeah. Um, how many wives do you think you could handle at one time? I mean, we're just me. Just, yeah, you. I mean, like just, two. I mean, do you want to? If no. you could have as many wives as possible. No. You just take two. Yeah. You just two. You're not. Doing they're, like... they're still gonna fight with each other and cause like internal turmoil in your family. Yeah, but so you know. like, just imagine more than two. I have for so many years. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm going to convert to Islam now. So it's, uh, there's a new branch of Islam. It'll be called uh, Keelerism. So a Keelerite. Yeah. I, I'm thinking 30 or 40. You know, let's just, oh let's, gosh, let's take bro. it to the limit. Okay. Okay. Let's take it to the limit. Okay. Continue. Okay. Abdul Aziz <laughs> also arranged for his sons and relatives to enter into similar marriages. He appointed his eldest surviving son, Saud, as heir apparent to be succeeded by the next eldest son, Faisal. The al-Saudi family became known as the royal family, and each member, male and female, was accorded the title of Amir, or Prince, or Amira, Princess, respectively. Abdulaziz died in 1953 after having cemented an alliance with the United States in 1945. He is still celebrated officially as the quote-unquote founder, and only his direct descendants may take on the title of His or Her Royal Highness. The date of his recapture of Riyadh in 1902 was chosen to mark Saudi Arabia's centennial in 1999, according to the Islamic lunar calendar. Mm. That's, uh, that's amazing. So, I mean, he died, so he was only 78 and he mm. was basically the ruler of a small area by the time he was 20. Mm. I mean, this guy... Because this guy was the one that basically took them by the horns and just kind of... Uh, he, he won the major battles. He, he won mm. the major battles and he united everybody. 
and he got the British on his side, which this just goes to show mm. how much the British have been involved in. Let me tell you, I don't trust these British people. Okay, <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> Anybody who eats mushy peas, you gotta wonder what's their deal. They're eating mushy peas and they got bad teeth. There's something wrong there. There's something really wrong with these British. Yeah, what are your teeth looking like, Peter? Peter, where no were you comment. born? <laughs> where were you born, Peter? You born? Um, I'm born mostly in... Western European in origin. <sighs> okay, all right. I was born in Mankato, Minnesota. Mm, Mankato sounds like a British man's name. <laughs> Um, no, but it's weird because it just shows to me just how powerful the empire was at the time, the British empire. I mean, they were in India over there, uh, Saudi Arabia, they were all over in the Middle East because, uh, aren't they partially the reason where Palestine is where it is? I have no idea. I just know that they were heavily involved in the colonization of nations in Africa. Yeah. They're in Africa too. Um, yeah, they, I think... I want to say after World War One, they basically pushed for this new place, Israel. Okay. Uh, you know, and I that rings a bell, kind of. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I know this that they went ahead and they have conquered a lot of areas because they were. Let's see, they were in the New World. They were in the Old World. They have at one time been in France. They, I don't know, did, did England, India, ever, did they ever fight or invade Spain? I don't think they did. I don't believe so. Yeah. That was mostly conquered by um, um, the Moors. Were Muslim, in Spain. The Moors. And yeah. then, like, I don't remember. There's been civil war in Spain in the yeah. 1930s and after. And I don't remember more than that, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, Australia, of course. That's yeah. where they sent the convicts to. Right. Uh, and the New Zealand. Uh, that's and That was under English control. It might still be. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. If no, it is. I think it's. Independent you think it's independent now? now? Yeah. Is Canada? I think isn't Canada Commonwealth? Um. Because I, I think New Zealand is too. I'm really not sure. Um, Peter, I, I need know answers. That, I need I answers, that, Peter. I know that Canada it's... has a lot of French influence, obviously, but like because there's a large portion of it that's French speaking and well also English speaking, but like isn't French the official language in Quebec? Or whatever. Is it Quebec? Yeah, that's the. Is correct it really how you're supposed to say yeah, it? Quebec. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know if it's the official language. Is okay. It? I. I think it has two official languages. Like yeah. French is first, maybe or primary, yeah. and English is second or something. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they were in India and were, they yeah. were in Asia too. Probably. Yeah, because yeah. they they took over uh, the last. It was like around the year two thousand or something that they finally gave Hong oh, Kong, yeah. Hong Kong back to China. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they never went into. Uh, did they? They never went into like Greenway. Greenway. Wow. They never. <laughs> Greenway sounds like a grocery store where you buy like <laughs> organic broccoli. <laughs> it's like the new Whole Foods. Yeah. Everybody. It's UK Whole Foods. The, pe- <laughs> the peas are already mushy. We're uh, in the Greenway. <laughs> the Greenway. Um, okay. Anyway, though. Uh, no, Greenland. Uh, oh, okay. They didn't, they didn't go there, right? I don't know. Norway. I just know, isn't Greenland mostly in Greenland's the bad place. It's Iceland that's the nice place. Yeah, so, yeah. Iceland's a lot nicer. Yeah, I don't think they were in Iceland, were they? I don't know if they were. I have no idea. They might have been. They've been everywhere, it seems like. You know, they were just all over the place. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally ignorant on... I'm not totally ignorant... <laughs> I just know that they've been a lot of places. They have been a lot of places, yeah. Um, Had a huge footprint. They have, yeah. Uh, so, um, upon Abdulaziz's death, his son Saud, this is actually really interesting to me, assumed the throne without incident, but his lavish spending led to a power struggle with his brother, Crown Prince Fasil. In 1964, the royal family forced Saud to abdicate in favor of Fasil, aided by an edict from the country's Grand Mufti, during this period, some of Abdulaziz's younger sons, led by Talil Abin Abdulaziz, defected to Egypt, calling themselves uh, the Free Princes, which sounds like an indie band, the Free Princes, <laughs> and <laughs> calling for liberalization and reform, but were later induced to return by Fasil. 
They were fully pardoned, but were also barred from any future positions in government. Mm. Uh, this was interesting because they had this on a little bit on. Uh, supposedly, there's someone on video. I don't know. Fasil was assassinated in 1975 by a nephew, Fasil ibn Musad, who was promptly executed. Another brother, Khalid, assumed the throne. The next prince in line had actually been Prince Muhammad, but he had relinquished his claim to the throne in favor of Khalid, his only full brother. So that when that assassination happened, supposedly they caught someone on film. I tried to find that. Mm. I never, I couldn't find the video. There's okay. a lot of weird stuff that it's at this point in the 70s. There are people that were alive. Uh, right around the turn of the century, that have seen World War One happen, they've seen World War Two happen. They were right after, kind of, right after the American Civil War. Uh, mm. Some of them were born during that time. So these, the seventies, were like a perfect mix of, you know, you got to meet these people who lived and saw and heard these amazing things in history, and they're kind of colliding with the future in the modern world. Mm. Um, I just found, or I was just listening to a podcast recently. And they were talking about, this is kind of a sidetrack. Uh, That's okay. But they were talking about uh, one of the people who actually, um, one of the lawmen who actually killed Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, wow. Um, like, uh, he took video uh, because he had been lugging a camera for 17 months. Uh, and he actually took film. And you can see it. And then one of the people that ran with Bonnie and Clyde was still alive in the 70s. And he gave an interview to Playboy. So that's that's what I mean. Like, you know, it was, it was like this old time where it was so crazy back then, and now it's colliding with the new and what we have in the future. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think in uh, 30 years we're going to have anything interesting? You'll be dead in 30 years. <laughs> I hope not quite. <laughs> I don't know if we'll make it past this year, let's be honest. It's quite, you're falling asleep when we're eating burgers, man. <laughs> You try not to drown in your own milkshake over there. You look so sad today. Um, no, but uh, but you think in like thirty years that you know, like I don't know what what I assume I'll have children one day. But if they'll ask you, oh, what did you see, or if you had grandchildren, oh yeah, what did you see? You know, I don't know what you would tell them. Yeah, uh, I would say. I saw. Well, they. Go I ahead. saw the evolution of pop from a <laughs> bottle into a can. Wow, that's amazing. so deep. Is oh uh, wow, that's really crazy. No, that's just one thing. That's one thing I saw in my childhood. <sighs> no, I think that's it. We can shut the podcast down. We're done. <laughs> We're we've hit drop the, the mic. Folks. Yeah, we've uh, we've hit the peak podcast. Uh, he saw the evolution of pop. I thought you were gonna say music, but it was worse. It was just coke. <laughs> Oh, from a bottle to a can? Yeah. Uh, My mom had this old school bottle dispensing pop machine in her school staff lounge. And then it got converted to dispense cans later on. It was like dual purpose. Really? It's pretty sick. (laughs) Gosh, Peter. All right. Uh, Well, we saw the first black man ever get elected president. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um I don't know. We also saw the first orange man get elected president, too. <laughs> we saw both of them. All right, we've seen them both. Orange, black, anybody, any color could win in this country. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, yeah, we saw a lot. But I'll continue reading. So, um, Khalid died of a heart attack, and... It was in 1982 and was succeeded by Faud, the eldest of the powerful Suderi Seven, so-called because they were all sons of Ibn Saud by his wife, Hassa al-Suderi. Faud did away with the previous royal title of his majesty and replaced it with the honorific custodian of the two holy mosques in reference to the two Islamic holy sites in Mecca and Medina in 1986. A stroke in 1995 left Faud largely incapacitated. His half-brother, Crown Prince Abdullah, gradually took over most of the king's responsibilities until Fahd's death in August 2005. Abdullah was proclaimed king on the day of Fahd's death and promptly appointed, appointed his younger brother, Sultan bin Abdulaziz, the Minister of Defense, and Fahd's 
quote-unquote second deputy prime minister as the new heir apparent. On, 20, on the 27th of March, 2009, Abdullah appointed Prince Nayef Inter Interior Minister as his second deputy prime minister and crown prince on the 27th of October. Uh, Sultan died in October 2011, while Nayef died in Geneva, Switzerland, on the Ju June 15th, 2012. Hmm. On January 23rd, 2015, Abdullah died after a prolonged illness, and his half-brother, Crown Prince Salman, was declared the new king. The 2017 to 2019 Saudi Arabian purge was the mass arrest of a number of prominent Saudi Arabian princes, government ministers, and business people in Saudi Arabia on November 4th, 2017, and the following few weeks after the creation of an anti-corruption committee led by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah, and um, I want to pause. So the leaks demonstrated that the kingdom had immense power over the world and was working overtime to flex its muscles. I will say that uh, Saudi Arabia has a lot more power uh, than a lot of people give it credit for. Hmm. And I do think that when MBS jailed a lot of those people, uh, hmm. some of those people I think were actually, I think I want to say that some of them were part of his family. And I believe it. They were basically taken hostage, and they were treated like uh, criminals, even though it was in a hotel. I mean, if you can imagine, you know, somebody that uh, arrests you and just holds you in a hotel, you know, that's kind of scary. Because uh, mm -hmm. I do think MBS is someone to be, uh, I wouldn't say respected, but it's someone who I don't think, I, I think he's going to be a dictator. Personally, yeah. uh, I, I really do. I don't know what it is about power, but it really does corrupt people really fast. Yeah. And when his father eventually dies, I think that he will take over. And I think that he's going to be like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm the king, and whatever I say goes. So, right. And if somebody stands in his way, I think he's going to have him killed, like he did with right. Khashoggi. Right. So, but yeah, um, that's, uh, that's it for this week. And... Uh, we don't know what's going to happen next week because I'll be traveling and everything. So anything you want to say before uh, before we take off, Peter? So, um, no, just... I think we've said it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, have a good week. And uh, try not to, you know, hey, here's something. If you become king of a small country, don't, don't behead people. All right? Can yeah. Go out there this week and try not to kill people. <laughs> all right? That's what I always tell people. <laughs> Okay, try not to behead others. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But do your best. Do your best. Yeah, exactly. Live, laugh, love. And, and, and don't behead. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.